weakness, exploited by a singular design flaw. A lone wire buried deep in the wood ceiling of the bathroom sparked and ignited in the den of winter. My mother awoke three days ago to black, billowing smoke in her bedroom. She sprang up and ran outside to fetch the hose. It was a bitter and relentlessly cold night that only the high desert could provide. The hoses were frozen. With the house on fire, the nearest operating phone was a quarter mile up the dirt road at Gary's house. She sprinted up the road and took the shortcut through the forest, waking him and calling the fire department and local friends, who with trucks and shovels descended back down the canyon to the house. When they arrived, the thick stone walls that were built to protect the house from every possible disaster became their own worst enemy by locking in the fire and encouraging hotter flames to engulf every last shred of our family history a history marked by losses that my mother bore with stoic grace. By the early morning, our family had sustained yet another catastrophic loss. Once again, my mother would be stripped down to the core and be required to start all over again with nothing. The shock would set in rapidly, and the pain would replace that shock in the days to come. Three days have passed. One more deep breath, and it's time to meet my mother in the house she's staying in. This house on the cliff was offered to her as an emergency refuge in the canyon. She could have picked a hotel or some other place that didn't have a perfect view of the charred remains of her collected life, but instead she chose to stay here. Her friend has similar style, so it was a less jarring change than a hotel. Friends of my mother would often receive unconditional gifts from her travels so several of the items decorating the interior and exterior are actually things she had once owned and loved herself. It's the best possible transition considering the circumstances, despite the painful view. I walk in to find her spending time with her good friend, the local blacksmith, a soft, gentle man with an appearance hardened by heat and molten steel. His company is across the highway. My first job was with Christopher when I was 13, under the legal age for working and definitely too young to be cutting steel and grinding welds. For a 13-year-old boy, it was a dream job. I greet my mother with a long embrace, silent, except for the occasional deep breath and sniffling nose. She's clearly in shock, her mind still processing the events that unfolded and the untried options that could have changed the course of the night. She smiles, but it's not an everything-is-going-to-be-fine smile. It's a, well... Here we are again, smile. I, too, can't fathom the scale of this loss. It feels remarkably similar to losing a loved one. There were, of course, the photos. My grandparents standing with my 11-year-old mother at their farm in Macon, Georgia. My young parents and my sister, Ari, as a baby, sitting between four-foot-high pot plants when they lived at Bob Dylan's house in Cerrios, New Mexico. Or the photo of my dad, Victor, a typical pose, sitting on the front porch of the same house, pondering the next steps in promoting concerts for a singer-songwriter named Eliza Gilkison, who he was considering managing. Things were not going his way, and it was in the midst of this realization that the photo was taken by a family friend, 60s chronicler Lisa Law. I've read that people who suffer the loss of their family home to fire say that losing the family photo albums is the hardest. I can now attest to this fact. The feeling it leaves you with is a twisting, everlasting knot in your stomach that twists more when you think of the wonderful moments in your life, knowing that the visual record has been erased. Moments that will never be repeated. 
In an email I sent to my mother the day I heard the news, I said simply, All our family photos are gone, but don't worry, we'll make more. I noticed the printed letter sitting on the dining table. That's now the mantra. The blacksmith heads home and says he'll be back in the morning to help. Gary and I have made plans to search the remains of the fire. It's been too toxic to visit in the first few days. The house was powered by 12 solar panels that stored their collected energy in eight closed-cell batteries. Needless to say, that corner of the house is covered in lead dust and highly toxic acids. We believe the rest of the house is relatively safe to explore, aside from the possibility of the rock walls collapsing. My mother hands me a bowl of lentil soup she made as we sit at the little wood dining table and briefly talk about my journey home. I was in Reykjavik, Iceland, 24 hours ago. I took a four-month...